I'm going to start by reading a few verses from chapter 1, just to get our minds back into the context of what we are doing here in this book. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 10, He was in the world, and he was made, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In verse 16, and of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Let's now look at chapter 18. We've seen his ministry, we've seen the signs, we've seen the miracles, we've seen his teachings all through the first 17 chapters. And we're going to see one of the greatest signs, one of the greatest works that he does, his greatest teachings are in these last chapters. John 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out, of, out with his disciples over the brook Kidron. Where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said unto them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke... Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it, would, it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and went with Jesus 
uh, into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her uh, who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, Are you not also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. And uh, now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again and immediately a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus to Caiaphas, to the pra- uh, from Caiaphas to the Praetorium. And it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You have... You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my people were of this world, my servants would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate answered, uh, therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. 
This is a lot of information. A lot of information we're probably familiar with as we're going, as uh, we uh, know the story of Jesus leading to his death. But hopefully something stood out to you that's, that's new, that is true as we continue through here. So let's uh, break it down section by section and see what we can get out of it. Our goal is to get through the entire chapter uh, in this class. So we may go sort of quick and may not have time to get into all of our details. But let's say in the first section, as he crosses the brook Kidron to the Mount of Olives, uh, and he's taken into custody, say verses 1 through 11... What do you notice about Jesus, about those people who are around him, and, and other things? Yes. He is not running. Okay, that's a, that's a good point. He knows all these things are going to happen to him in verse 4, and yet he steps forward. He is the one who actually initiates... The conversation, uh, he in verse 4 says, whom are you seeking? That's very similar to what he said to the two disciples back in chapter 1, whenever they start following him. And he says, what do you seek? He's asking, whom are you seeking? So he's the one who's initiating all of this, and he's not running. Yes. So you're saying that he is in control of the situation. I, I, w- I would agree with that. That uh, at any point he could have said stop. He could have said something that would have uh, made the situation go away. But he is let, even though it looks like they are binding him and leading him away, he is the one who is in control of the situation. Yeah? Yeah, very, uh, very good. You're pointing out, Bob's uh, referencing verse uh, 11, after Simon Peter tries to stop all of this by, uh, by attacking with his sword. Uh, verse 11, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? That, that this is the plan. This is the plan. And we've seen this concept before in the book that Jesus is not doing anything that is his own plan, that is his own will. He's doing the will of the Father. And that includes drinking the cup which the Father has given him. Peter finally realizes this later on whenever we see in Acts chapter 2 verse 23. We talk, we see on that, uh, that sermon on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Simon Peter say, him being delivered by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God, uh, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. That concept that Peter eventually gets the point, but, but in the moment he doesn't see that this is part of the father's plan. Very good. Yes, Joy. 
verse 6, that when they first asked him um, who he was, he said, I am pleased. And then it said they drew back and fell to the ground. Okay, so your question is about verse 6. He said to them, I am he. Uh, they fell, they drew back and fell to the ground. I would say yes, there's probably something to that. There are a lot of different interpretations of that. And I, I would hesitate to say one is definitive as to the reason why. Bob? Well, I think it goes along with what Bob was saying. He's in control. They're not in control. He is. And just by his answer, his voice, uh, you know, it took him back and they, they fell to the right. Um, you know, others, when they had tried to go and arrest him, uh, they didn't arrest him because what was their response? No one ever spoke, no man ever spoke like this. And, and so just, Okay. So, so there are several things to to your answer that uh, they have tried this before, uh, but no one has ever taught and spoken like this. So Jesus is still in control, taken aback by the by the fact that. he doesn't deny it. He doesn't point to somebody else and say, oh, it's that guy over there. He says, I am, I am the guy. Uh, some people have read this as, this is yet another one of those I am kind of statements that he is, he is identifying who he truly is. Um, so, uh, they've, it, it was totally unexpected as to what that response is. It's Boyd and then Mike. Uh, I have not noticed this before, but the, So, so the comment is, uh, since the he doesn't originally appear in the original text, uh, is, is that a connection with the, the identity of God as I am? Linguistically, you don't have to have the word he uh, in this kind of sentence. So perhaps there is, um, there, there may be something to that. Yes. Yeah, it kind of goes along with that because I had that same thought. And then when you look at uh, Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, right? He fell. When the light surrounded him, he fell. We heard the voice of Jesus that he fell down as well. So is this some presence, the, the actual presence of God that had this effect on these people that they had to draw back and fall down? Because in that instance, they probably didn't realize it, but in that instance, they were in the presence of, of divinity at that moment. Um, that was maybe a little different than, you know, just Christ the man that maybe they were seeking. So I kind of relate that to what Saul went through as well, the same idea of, of falling back and falling down uh, in the presence with Saul, Saul Christ as well. Okay, so, so the points made as to connecting it with Saul of Tarsus falling down. Um, I'm surprised more people don't fall down in the book then, if, if, if that's the case. But perhaps you said connecting it with the divinity of Jesus. That would, that would speak to, to that as well. Very good. Again, Jesus is entirely in, in control of the situation. He goes to where he knows Judas knows where he's going to uh, be, and he ends up being arrested in that. Yes. Kidron Valley means stormy or dark. 
Ryan is referencing chapter 6 with uh, Jesus walking on the water and his followers not responding appropriately. They, they are, they're, they're fearful, they're afraid, and Jesus calms the situation by saying, it is I, I am. Uh, and that is in the context of his followers failing a test. And we're going to see Judas failing, we're going to see P- uh, Peter uh, failing as well. Just that context of... Uh, the presence of of Jesus being in utter control in all this chaos where everybody else is failing. Good, good point. I appreciate that. Yes, Brad. So that I am in, in Hebrew would be the name of God, right? It would be Yahweh. Um, so. I just wonder if, when they asked that, if they asked it in Aramaic or Hebrew, when Jesus answered it, you know, we haven't recorded in Greek, but I wonder if he said, Yahweh, I am, and their immediate reaction is when you, when you hear that, you fall down, just like the apostles did when the storm, when there was a storm, um, they... That is something that they would have had to have reverenced. And so when Jesus says it here, I wonder if they're connecting that and going, oh, our, our reaction is to fall down. But then they have to be reminded, oh, wait, we need to arrest this guy um, because we're, we're going to kill God. That, that that's a good that's a fair point. Not knowing the original language in which it, it was spoken, whether it's. Uh, a reaction of being in the presence of God, knowing, uh, connecting it with uh, the name of the Lord. Um, there, there's a, there is a lot to this to, to unpack, just how many troops there are. So it, there are some soldiers as well as some uh, uh, temple guards who are here. When it refers to a, co- a cohort, that usually at full strength was probably 600 men. Now, whether it was full 600, I, I don't know, but it would probably be at least 200 men coming to arrest this one guy. And perhaps you could see in Peter's response, he feels like he is being loyal to, to Jesus, and he knows the Old Testament stories where just a few number of people can, can overcome those odds. But he doesn't realize that this is the, the plan of the Father. And so, uh, that may be something to, to see. Very good. Let's now move on to the next section. Yes, Bob.
He thought he was doing what the Lord would have him do. You know, the Lord told him, you know, pick out a sword, take a sword with you uh, uh, before they get here. And now he, he's just, I think it helps me a little bit better understand these next two actions and, and not being so harsh on him. He's confused. He thought he was doing right. Now he doesn't really know what to do Absolutely. So, so Bob's pointing out that uh, the interaction between Simon Peter and Jesus in verses 10 and 11 may lead to some of the confusion that we see in verses 15 and following. Uh, it's been pointed out before that verses 12 uh, through the end of the chapter, we sort of see these two types of uh, trials going on. We see the trial of Jesus in several different locations. Uh, we also see the trial of Simon Peter. Um, verses 12 through 14, we see uh, he's, he's arrested, bound him, taken to Annas. Annas was the old former high priest uh, who had been deposed of by the Romans, and his son-in-law, Caiaphas, was uh, the uh, the uh, high priest at this time. Uh, and while they're doing that, we see Simon Peter and another disciple uh, getting some access, whereas the rest of the disciples may have fled and gone their own way. Uh, these two get to be a little bit closer, yet Simon Peter is still at a distance. Um, and Simon Peter may have thought in his mind, at least I'm somewhat close to Jesus. But as we're going to see in his heart, in his confusion, it, he has some self-preserving responses in which he's going to deny, deny Jesus. And in, in reality, he's nowhere close to Jesus. So uh, we see in verse 17, uh, whereas he was brave, as is already mentioned, against this cohort of soldiers and men, one servant girl asks him a question. And he doesn't say, I am, like Jesus says. He says, I am not. So um, you can see the exact opposite, a, a direct contrast in responses as what Peter says here. Uh, so, uh, in verses 19 and following, we see more of the trial, the questioning, the interrogation of, uh, of Jesus. The high priests asked him um, about his disciples and about his doctrine. What do you make of this part of, of the interrogation of the trial? Okay, so, so Caiaphas 
uh, back in chapter 11. We also see again that being referenced in verse 14 here. Uh, Caiaphas is the one who, who says the solution to the problem is to get rid of the guy. And here he is. A uh, gift wrapped with a bow uh, right before him and says, I-, I have him in my grasps. Yeah, it's not him who's in control. Again, we say we see that uh, Jesus is in control. Yes, Ms. Ballard. Uh, Jesus says, I have spoken openly to the world. Uh, what, you, what you heard in the synagogues, the temple, ask the people uh, who heard. You know, it's not been a secret. That's a good point. Uh, he says that I have spoken openly to the world. I'm not keeping, I don't have any secret agenda going on here. I've been very upfront as to uh, my message, this truth that I am. Um, interesting that he, he refers, I spoke openly to not my people. He spoke openly to the world, to everybody. Okay, And the world did not receive him. And so, uh, he, so he goes on to say, ask the people who have, uh, uh, who have been following me, who have, who have heard my words, they can be the ones that attest to this. Brad? And that's a good point. Uh, so so you, you see the contrast between his openness and their secrecy. Uh, they're trying to keep it under wraps and get this done and taken care of. Very good. So, so Jesus is saying there are plenty of witnesses. And they, they haven't called any witnesses. I mean, here, here he's uh, uh, being questioned and so forth. The witnesses are out there if they were interested in that. That's a good, a good point that they're not even calling witnesses in this account to, to testify. And isn't it a pity that the one witness that we do see, Simon Peter, there's not much that he's going to be reliable for in his, in his testimony. Yes, Lloyd. Yeah, he, he he surely could have said something that could have convicted, and yet at the same time you can see clearly that they have a hard heart that's not going to receive anything. So he has no reason to incriminate himself in that. Uh, and so with the response he he gives, uh, he gets he gets smacked. Uh, with the palm uh, of the hand of one of the officers and, and says, do you answer the high priest like that? Imagine if you, if you realized in hindsight that you had smacked the, the creator of everything, the, the God of the universe. How would you feel about that? In a sense, that's what we do when we sin, isn't it? 
We are in the presence of Jesus. We know he is here. And whenever we betray him, whenever we insult him, whenever we serve ourselves instead of others, we are smacking him. We are ridiculing him. Other thoughts and comments through through verse 24. And that's, uh, it's a very convicting kind of interaction that, you know, if I've done something wrong, just tell me, bear witness of that. If not, consider your actions, consider why you are doing. Yeah, the, the, there is some, to your point, there is a lot of confusion on whenever it refers to high priest. It, it, he's taken, uh, away to Annas, In verse 19, it says the high priest then asked him, and then verse 24, it says Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Well, who is, who's what? And and yeah, there's some history behind all of that. Very good. What else? Yes, Alan. That's a fair point. So you're saying that whenever somebody, uh, whenever there's any kind of disagreement, or even if there's someone who is clearly right and clearly wrong, and the person who's wrong can't see that, the the go-to reaction for many of us is just to lash out, to attack. And, And that just shows how wrong all of this is. Yes, Bob. Just verse 21 strikes me as Jesus' argument as you're, you're challenging and questioning me towards my accusers. Question them. Uh, tell me where, where, the, where the, the making the, the point of where the problem lies with them and their false accusations. That's, that's what I see in verse 21. Because he says, why do you question me? Yeah. You should question the one who's charging me. Yeah, uh, so the point is that uh, there is no reason to question Jesus. That the burden of proof lies on the accusers, uh, on, on any other witnesses, and... He has every right to accuse them, to find them guilty, to put them to death. He, he has that purity. He has that power and authority. And yet he is the one who's taking these accusers' place on the cross. And the accusers are the ones who heard the message. 
Yeah, the, the accusers are the ones who have heard this, uh, this message, and yet... If they spoke out, perhaps that that would that would prove in Jesus's favor. But we see that's not to be the case. Very good. We go back to the other trial, the trial by the by the coal fire. Verses 25 through 27, we see uh, Simon Peter once again um, deny his denial is an exact contrast of Jesus' confirmation. He, Jesus says, I am who I say I am, and Simon Peter says, I am not. Uh, some of the other uh, gospel accounts, he, he vehemently swears, I do not know the man. In reality, that is the truth, isn't it? That he doesn't know who the Messiah is. He does he does not have that knowing, intimate relationship that we've talked about uh, class after class, that he doesn't know him. Uh, even a relative of Malchus, the servant, uh, asks him, and he deny, denies it the third time, and immediately the rooster crows. We don't see all of the same things that the, that the other gospel accounts uh, make mention of. But we know the rest of the story, how, how that affects him moving forward. Very good. Anything else through, uh, through 27 before we, we see sort of a change in scenery? So, so you're. So, so your so your question or comment is is about how how they have enough influence to to get a a warrant or to get some kind of authority from the from the Roman government to send out some troops along with the the temple guards to get involved in all of this and then they'll they will uh, eventually as we see in verse twenty eight. Uh, first thing in the morning, they're going to head over to the Praetorium. Good. Uh, other thoughts on that? Yes, Bob. The role of the Roman government at that time was simply one thing, to keep peace. And uh, the, Jews, the Jewish rulers basically ruled, limited, but overseen by the Romans. 
that the wife, you know, they, they had their own rules, but there were some things that they just could not do uh, because the Romans wouldn't allow. But they were basically in charge, and so them going to the Romans say, hey, we need some help, give us some soldiers. Pilots think, would think, okay, I've got to keep peace. That's going to keep peace. And so that was his goal throughout all of it. And you can see that later in some of the Gospels, his response in, in giving in to these people instead of taking a stand that he should have. It's, it's all to bring peace to it. So his leaders above him see he's doing a good job keeping peace. Whatever it takes. Okay, so, so the point is that Pilate's role, as we're going to see, is mainly to keep keep peace, uh, and we're going to see how he does, how good of a job he does of that. Alan then Brad. This uh, Peter denying Jesus is, is something that we can be harsh on Peter about, but we often, um, I know personally, there's times when I haven't spoken up what I could have. Some situation didn't didn't call. Somebody didn't call out to me about my belief in Jesus, but I didn't speak up, and I wasn't there for him. And and Peter, because it's come back to Peter when Jesus asked him three times later, the same number of times he denied him, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And, uh, he, you know, it grieves Peter. Peter. Peter really has to deal with this. And we need to deal with that in our heart. How have I let the Lord down? How have I not spoken up? How have I denied that's a good point, that, that we all need to be, be mindful of ourselves, that uh, if we are truly close and know Jesus, that we do not deny him in that. Yeah, Brad. Um, there's also this uh, intersection of Roman law versus Jewish law, and there's a lot of things that you can be guilty of under Jewish law that the high priest and religious leaders, the sentencing could include death, right? But that may not also violate Roman law. And so what I think we're going to see here in the trial is the Pharisees really don't have much religious ground to execute Jesus. And so they're trying to make it look like the Romans will execute Jesus so they're trying to trump up charges that the Romans will care about, and really both of them fall flat, and they end up crucifying him anyway. But you see here the prophecy that there was no deceit in his mouth. He he, he was he was perfect. He had he was blameless. He was the, the sacrificial lamb without blemish. Um, and uh, this this points out he wasn't guilty of any Roman Jewish law or anything. So, so there is, there is this intersection of what is punishable in uh, Jewish law and in Roman law, and Jesus is innocent of both of all of that, and yet we see the facade of this case and going on. I do want to bring up that concept of uh, handing him over to the Romans to be crucified just a little bit. But uh, Luke had a comment, and then Ryan. Happen, but he points out something. He thinks that they may have looked this out of the island in 
Okay, so, so Luke's uh, comment, for those who didn't hear, is uh, more or less that if you look at all of the gospel accounts, there may be some element to the fact that they had already conspired or had something set in place, uh, and yet there are still some of these monkey wrenches uh, being thrown into the works based on the conversation. Yes, Ryan. So, so you, you bring out that God hardens their hearts and they harden their own hearts uh, in the process of this. 
I, I did see uh, some of those, what you said as to, yeah, if you look at the book of Acts, they do have the, that kind of authority to, to put people to death. But it says in verse, uh, let's see. Uh, verse 32, uh, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what death he would die. Crucifixion was not uh, of that uh, uh, part of Jewish authority in that respect. So, very good. Got a lot more hands that just came up. Let's go, yes. Yes. Okay, so so Dave's pointing out the um, how Judas in all of this he thought that this would be a way to precipitate the king the coming of his of the kingdom of Jesus that and of course Jesus he had been able to escape uh, uh, capture before he could have done that again uh, but and similar with Judas. And Simon Peter, there are many times where we we believe that we are part of the kingdom, but we have in our own mind what that's going to look like. And Jesus, in this, we see that it's not looking anything like how uh, his followers thought it was going to be. Tony, did you have a comment? Just the fact that we have individuals here, though, that they are they're concerned about not following themselves by Yeah, they, they don't want to defile themselves uh, by going into the Gentile space 
Jesus by direct contrast. It's That's really what it boils down to. They want to commit murder by by righteous, lawful means, if possible. Boyd, and then we're going to try and wrap up. So, so yes, the the fact that God is using wicked people to complete His righteous will—that's an important point uh, made. The last ten verses. I wish we could spend a lot more time on this. Maybe Brad could touch a little bit on it. But uh, we see Jesus when he's asked by Pilate. Uh, he says, "Why are you asking? Are you asking for your own reasons, or uh, is somebody else asking?" Jesus goes on to say that my kingdom is not of this world, and we see that throughout this this entire uh, episode. Uh, and so he says that I I have come here as a king to bear witness of the truth, and all who hear the truth, the voice of the true shepherd, uh, will hear his voice. And instead of uh, letting him go, he says he finds no fault in him, and yet uh, they ask for Barabbas instead. So, um, again, a lot that we're familiar with. Uh, we'll continue with the, the end of the trial and the crucifixion next, uh, on Wednesday. Thank you all.